Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. And uh, I kind of jumped into uh, more of the nuts and bolts of this this past Wednesday night. In fact, this message I had intended to preach this past Wednesday night, and uh, just a few hours before service, the Holy Spirit told me to hold it for this Sunday. And so the Lord gave me another message for this past Wednesday night where we kind of jumped into the behind the scenes of this. And so I'm going to read, uh, read a couple of scriptures to you today, and I'm going to share just a little bit, a brief overview of what we talked about this past Wednesday that's going to set us up for this message. Last week we talked about the power of prayer and fasting, what happens when we fast and pray. And then I want to talk just today about what we can do, how we can fast and pray, how we can experience God's blessings, His promises, and the things that He has for us as believers, as the church. Uh, Fasting and prayer is a sacrifice. It takes time uh, to pray. It takes uh, giving some things up in order to fast. Fast is a uh, sacrifice and obedience to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And uh, as we begin this 21 days of prayer and fasting, as I said last week, you fast and you pray what the Holy Spirit has led you to do. What matters in this is your obedience and that you are doing it because of what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. And so uh, as, we j- as we dive into this today, I know the enemy, um, when it comes to prayer and fasting, the enemy likes to, uh, to do his best to try to fight because he knows that when you fast and pray, heaven answers. As we talked about last week, God hears from heaven and God begins to move. As we heard the angel that, that came to Daniel, he said, from the moment that you humbled yourself before the Lord and began to speak, heaven began moving and working. God began doing uh, what he said he would do which is when we cry out to him, he hears the cries of our hearts. So I know the enemy has already been fighting. I know the enemy has already been doing his best uh, to try to get you, to try to get me uh, to not persevere and to not pursue what the Holy Spirit's called us to do. But he doesn't win. I said he doesn't win. Amen. And we believe the best is yet to come and that God has incredible things in store for this year. So we're headed back to Joel chapter 2 this morning. Joel chapter 2, and I want to read a couple of verses today. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back listen to the message. You can listen to it uh, or watch it uh, on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com and in the search bar type in CFA People, and all of our services are there from Sunday mornings. You can go back and check that message out if you weren't able to be here last week on the power of prayer and fasting. Or I challenge you to take Joel chapter 2 and read it and uh, take some time and just really hear uh, from the Holy Spirit on what it is that he would, what he, he would challenge you to do as you fast and as you pray and seek the Lord. Joel chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 12, and we're going to read through verse number 14. It says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few moments of time that we would hear from heaven, that God, you would speak to our hearts, that Holy Spirit, even now, 
you begin working and moving around this auditorium and the, and the rooms, God, and homes, businesses, cars, Lord, of those that are listening or joining us online today, that even now, Holy Spirit, you would begin pouring out your healing, you would begin pouring out breakthrough, that salvation would come, that the lost would be saved, that the bound would be set free, that there would be freedom in this place as we worship you and experience your glory and your presence. God, I pray that your anointing would flow, that your words would be spoken in your words alone, that every attempt of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy would be broken, that every distraction would be eliminated by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that, God, you would pour out your glory in this place. Lord, we thank you for your word and the powerful, effective truth that it has for us. Lord, we ask that it would take root in our lives today and spring forth, transforming us into all that you've called us to be. We give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. True prayer and fasting, as we uh, have been studying this and have been talking about it this past Wednesday, this past Sunday, one of the things that the Lord really impressed upon my uh, upon my spirit was the fact that prayer, true prayer and fasting is a matter of the heart. True prayer and fasting is a matter of the heart. In verse number 13 of Joel chapter 2, it says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. What the Lord is talking about in Joel chapter 2 in this verse is so critically important and what Jesus even references at times about fasting and prayer is so important when he's addressing the Pharisees because the truth is this, fasting can be for show and not for true transformation. The thing that God is looking for through prayer and fasting, through true prayer and fasting from us, is not that we declare at the beginning of this year, Lord, we're fasting and we're praying, and that we give up on food or that we turn off our media or that we sacrifice whatever it is the Holy Spirit has called us to sacrifice and spend the next 21 days praying. It's not a matter of show, it's a matter of the heart. What God is looking for is the sincerity from the depth of who we are to return to Him, to cry out to Him, to not merely put on a show, but to actually have a true heart turn encounter with God. True prayer and fasting is a matter of the heart. And I've talked about this in great detail this past Wednesday night on what happens when our prayer and our fasting comes from our heart because what it does is it changes the dynamics of what fasting and prayer over the next 21 days is all about. When it comes from the place of authenticity and it comes from the heart, there's transformation and change that happens in the heavenlies because of what God does on the inside of who you are, on the inside of who I am, and not just on the outside of what people can see. True prayer and fasting is a matter of the heart. I believe that the enemy so oftentimes fights us on prayer and fasting because he knows that true prayer and fasting is something that brings transformation and change to the heart of who we are. It exposes the lies of the enemy that we've bought into. It exposes the sin that we've, that we've let in unknowingly and, and sometimes even knowingly. It ultimately underlines and ultimately illustrates what the enemy has done over the course of 
of the years that we've been serving the Lord that's not in line and it's not right with God, but it also breaks off chains and bondages and unleashes breakthrough from heaven in the situations and circumstances of our life that otherwise would have been impossible without supernatural intervention. Friends, the truth is this. In this life, we cannot rely on the resources, the abilities, and the means that we have on our own, but we have to come to understand that the moment that we said yes to Jesus, to the unconditional love, the reckless love that we sang about just a few moments ago, that when we said yes to the love of God, we became a child of God. We took on a new identity. We have a new meaning and purpose and destiny on our life because of what Jesus did on the cross through his death and through his resurrection. We now have not only at our disposal the means and the abilities that God has blessed us with in the natural, but also the identity of the supernatural gift of God that he has given us as a son and a daughter to be able to look at the enemy and the lies and the attacks and the attempts that he has made to steal, kill, and destroy and to begin to take authority according to the word of God, to begin to unearth throughout the word from beginning to end what God says he will do for his children and for his people, what he says about our marriages, our families, our finances, what he says about our business, the dreams and the desires of our heart. If we're not careful, we'll fall into the trap that the enemy has laid for us and we'll give in to the lies and the discouragement that he set before us and we'll forget that everything that is happening around us has an eternal impact and a purpose. You are a child of God. You have an identity as a son or daughter of God. And the Lord has called for you and the Lord has called for me to respond to the situations and the circumstances of our life, not by just what we can understand or realize on our own, but from the heart of who God has called us and created us to be, to respond to the situations with the Word of God and with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit at work in and through our lives. One of the greatest things that I think the enemy uses to keep us from truly praying and truly fasting as God has called us to is found in this verse in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, we know is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What the enemy will do in the situations and seasons of our life, in the circumstances of our life, is that the enemy will do whatever he possibly can to get you and I to give up hope. Because when the unexpected things come in our life, when the unexpected things happen in our life, when the enemy comes in from every angle, from every direction, and we know what God's Word says, and we know what God's promise is, and we know what God has spoken, when we don't see heaven intervene, when we haven't seen God move, when God didn't move the way we thought that He would, though we've been standing and praying and believing and crying out to God by faith, Though we've had our eyes fixed on Jesus and not the problems and the circumstances in front of us. When God doesn't move and God doesn't answer, when God doesn't intervene, the enemy will take the hope that 
has been deferred and begin to attack the heart of who we are. And what happens is that discouragement and that despair begins to bring upon our lives a misery and a despair, a hopelessness and a doubt that begins to creep in, that begins to challenge our faith, to begin to question and to wonder, to begin to doubt and to let unbelief begin to take a foothold. But what happens in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 13 and what God is saying is rend your heart and not your garment. In other words, take the broken heart that you have within you. Take the despair and the disappointment. Take the frustration and the hopelessness that you've been overcome with and let that be what you bring before me. Let that be what you break before me. The enemy would rather you and I look like we have it all together. The enemy would rather you and I put up a front. Jesus confronted it with the Pharisees when he talked about how they prayed in front of the people and how they fasted in front of the people. But he said, when you pray in the secret place, when you come before me in the secret place, when you cry out to me from the depths of your heart and who you are, when you rend your heart and not your garment, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I come and answer the cries of your heart. But the truth is, is we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to take what has been deferred, what has yet happened, and let our heart break before the Lord. Sometimes we spend so much of our life trying to make it look like we have it all together that we forget to be real even with the Lord. Change will never come and heaven will never answer if you can't rend your heart before God. Don't take the feelings that you have, the disappointment that you walk through, the discouragement, the despair, the tragedy, the impossibility that you've been through. Do not let the enemy through those things cause your heart to become sick. To the point that when it comes to prayer and it comes to fasting, that you can't have true authenticity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God already knows what's going on in your life. God already sees everything you've been through. He knows everything that you've walked through. He knows everything that you've been up against. He knows every struggle that you've been through. But heaven will not intervene until you ask. True prayer and fasting is a matter of the heart. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. If God said he would do it, He'll do it. If God said he would do it, he'll do it. Connor, I don't think you understand what I've been up against. I don't think you know what I've gone through. I don't think you know the difficulties that I've been in. I don't think you understand the seasons or the situations that I've been presented with in this life and the battles that I've had to go through. Friends, I can promise you one thing. I may not understand, but I can tell you one who does. And his name is Jesus. He knew so much that he was willing to lay down his life so that the curse of sin, which is death, would be broken so that you could experience the healing of heaven, the breakthrough of heaven, the provision of heaven, the, the blessings of heaven in your life. God does not want you and I to settle for anything less than what He has spoken and what He has promised in our lives. So how do we pray? How do we pray and fast 
with true authenticity? How do we pray and we fast from the heart of what God has said and what He's spoken in our lives? Look at what Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13 says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In order for us to experience what God has for us through prayer, in order for us to experience what God has for us through fasting, there are several things that have to happen in our lives. Number one is this, we have to rend our hearts and turn to God. Second Chronicles chapter 7 as we prayed time and time again, and verse number 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. With God, it's all about our hearts. It's the heart of the matter that God is looking for in every situation and every circumstance. God isn't looking for your perfection and He's not looking for mine. What He's looking for is a heart that is surrendered completely to Him. A heart that is willing to be broken before Him. A heart that is willing to cry from the depths of our soul out to God and say, Lord, we need You to move. God, we need You to intervene. Lord, we need You to act because You are who You say You are. You said it in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13, that God, if we would cry out to you with all of our heart, that Lord, you would hear from heaven and that you would answer, that God, you have plans for us. So Lord, we're crying out to you that in the midst of our hopelessness, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of the calamity that's around us, God, we're coming before you not to just pay lip service to heaven, not to just put on a show for those around us, but from the depth of who we are say God we need to hear from you God we need you to move God we need you to intervene because it's in that moment that heaven begins to answer Daniel cried out to God as we talked about last week in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10 because of what was happening in his life, because of what was happening to God's chosen people. Friends, when we begin to fast and pray from our heart, when we begin to call out to heaven, God begins to answer and God begins to move. Joel chapter 2, verse number 13 that we're reading this morning. Return to the Lord your God, for He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. We see in Isaiah chapter 58 and Joel chapter 2 the things that happen when we fast, when we pray, when we seek the Lord. I love this in James chapter 4 verses 6 through 10. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we rend our hearts to the Lord, if you take that, if you take that word rend and you break it down, it means literally to break apart. The things that are happening in your life, the things that are happening in my life, the things that the enemy is fighting for, when we take what that's doing to our heart and the core of who we are and we break our heart open before the Lord, we humble ourselves before God to say, Lord, this is how I really feel. God, this is where I'm really at. Lord, this is what I'm really dealing with. Lord, these are the emotions that I have. When we're, 
when we're real with the Lord, He can be real with us. Because there's no question, hear me this morning, there's no question for God that's too big. And the doubt and the unbelief and the uncertainty and the despair and every bit of discouragement that you have walked through, every bit of pain that you have dealt with is nowhere near too big for God. When we rend our hearts before the Lord and we come before Him and we lay it down at His feet, there's something powerful that begins to happen. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How do we rend our hearts and turn to God? We take what's breaking in the inside of us. We take the burdens and the cares. We take the worries and the pain. We take the needs and the petitions that we have before the Heavenly Father. And we lay them at His feet. And we begin to stand upon God's Word. And we begin to experience what He has for us when we pray and we fast. How do we pray and fast from the heart, especially when our hope is deferred, we rend our hearts and we turn to God. And secondly, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Tell your neighbor you got to worship. Tell your neighbor you got to worship. <clears throat> There's something powerful that happens when you worship. One of, my, one of my favorite worship songs right now is This Is How I Fight My Battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It's a declaration and a determination to worship God despite what it looks like and it feels like right now. That instead of giving in to the lies of the enemy, instead of settling for the situation and the circumstance, though I'm, I may not be able to overcome the obstacle that's in front of me on my own, I know the one who can. That though it may seem impossible for man, with God all things are possible. And when I begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, what happens is, is I begin to worship Him from the heart of who I am as a child of God. Because even in the difficulty, even in the uncertainty, when I begin to lift up the name of Jesus and I begin to worship the King, heaven begins to move closer and closer and closer and closer. One of the reasons that I love starting our services off with worship is because it takes everything that we've had from the week that has piled on and on and on and on and begins to break it off. Because we begin to say, God, you're bigger than my difficulty. You're bigger than my struggle. You're bigger than my storm. You're bigger than this grief, than this pain, than this hopelessness, than this despair. God, I'm worshiping you because you are greater than all of this. And at the end of the day, I know that every bit of this that I'm carrying is more than you are more than enough to handle. That God, you can heal and set free and deliver and restore. When we begin to worship him in spirit and in truth, from the depths of our heart, there's a shift that begins to happen in our lives. You know, when I, when I talk about worshiping, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, that, that truth, understanding what that means, especially in the Word of God, when you break it down in the Greek, it really helps to, it really helps to unlock what happens when we do. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24 says, Jesus is speaking. He says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The truth that, that Jesus is talking about when you break it down in the Greek means hiding nothing. 
it's easy for us to worship in a service, in a setting with people, with family, with friends. It's easy for us to worship where everyone looks at us and says, wow, they're worshiping. It's another thing when from the depths of our heart we begin to worship. Because what happens in that moment is everything that we have been frustrated about, everything that we've been overwhelmed with, everything that we're trying to handle on our own becomes exposed to the Lord. Because when we begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth from the depths of who we are, what happens is is we begin to expose to God everything that we can't understand, everything that we can't handle, everything that we don't know on our own. And all of that becomes exposed to the Holy Spirit. And that's the moment that God begins to work and God begins to move. It's why it's so incredible to watch in worship services. I've seen it time and time again when people are worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And there's times where, where people are just having, you just know, they're just having a Jesus moment. They're just having a God moment. And it's amazing what happens when we worship in spirit and in truth and that full surrender to the Lord. And we begin to worship Him because of who He is, not because of what He's done. When you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the verse that I said, uh, I feel like a hundred times last year, and probably did, about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And you look at all of these verses that we've been talking about, return to me. When God says return to me, when He says in Jeremiah chapter 29, seek me with all of your heart and you will find me. It's, you, we have to understand that God's not talking about seeking Him for what He can give us. True prayer and fasting is not about seeking God for what He can give me. It's not about, God, I'll seek you so that I can get this. Friends, Jesus died on the cross, and He came and paid the price. God came so that we could experience life with Him and life everlasting, and that in those moments, in those encounters that we have with heaven, that we could experience what it is to have a relationship with God. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that was only based on what you could give them? That was only conditional? It's not the same as from someone who loves you no matter what, who loves you unconditionally. Even when you're not perfect, even when you don't always do it right, even when you don't always say it right, but somebody that loves you, the same is true with the Lord. God loves you unconditionally, but God loves you because He wants you. And what He wants from us is that love for Him. Not for what He can just give, but for who He is. And what happens when we begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, we begin to worship Him as as one who has come to realize, as one who's come to understand that God is good no matter what. That God is faithful no matter what. That He's beautiful, that He's majestic, that He's wonderful. And when we begin to worship God in the Spirit, when when we begin to worship God for who He is, not for what He can do for us, but for who He is, there's something that grips on His heart. There's something that begins to happen, that begins to move on the inside of, of, of what He has for you, that begins to shift and begins to change His attention towards you. I think one of the best examples of that is when a kid comes up to you and tells you that they love you. Not because you have candy. Not because they want something. Not because they think they're going to give you something in return. 
But when they just when they just walk in around the corner and tell you, I love you. Okay, awesome. What a surprise. And there, there's no greater feeling that a, that a parent has or that a loved one has than when someone tells them that they love them just because. Why? Because our lives, our hearts are based on love. Who we are is founded on love. 1 John chapter 4, God is love. If you do not love, you do not know God because God is love. 1 John chapter 4. If you don't love, you miss out. The reason I tell you on Sunday mornings before you leave that I love you is because I love you. The reason I tell people that all the time is because I love them. I'll never forget I had a friend one time. He looked at me and he said, why do you tell me that you love me every time you leave? And I was like, because I want you to know that I do. Because when you're a child of God, you can't help but love. Because it's the love of God that motivated him towards us. It's the love of God that brought change and transformation in our hearts. It's the love of God. And when we begin to worship God in spirit and we begin to worship him in truth and we begin to seek him for who he is and not for what he can do, there's something that begins to happen because God's attention towards us begins to change. Because the bottom line is this, is God's love for you is so great that not only will he take care of you, but he'll bless you more than you could have ever thought. Because when you love somebody, you don't care how much it costs, and you don't care what it is. You just want to bless them with it. You just want to give it, you just, you just want to give it to them. You don't care about the cost. You don't care about the expense. You don't care about what it looks like because you love them and you know they want it and you want to bless them with it. The same is true with God. In fact, the Lord, the Lord tells us that. Jesus tells us that when he says, You being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your Father in heaven? want to give good things to those who ask, to those who follow after him. As children of God, how much more does he want to bless? I wonder what would happen in our lives if we would stop seeking God for what he can do for us and seek him for who he is to us. Because when heaven is in our midst, and when we walk hand in hand with the King of Kings, there's a shift that happens in our lives. When we seek him with all of our heart, when we seek him with all that we are, when we worship Him in spirit and in truth, we experience what His Word says in Psalms chapter 147, verse number 3, that He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. Speaking God's truth and experiencing His healing is associated with worshiping Him in spirit and in truth because it's in that moment that we begin to declare who God is according to who He says He is and what His Word says about Him. When you and I begin declaring the Word of God and we begin speaking the truth of God over the situations and the circumstances of our life, when we begin applying the principles and the directions and responding in obedience to what He said, what the truth is is what happens is the lies, the curses, and the attempts of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy are broken. And we experience the breakthrough and the, and the power of what happens when we pray and we fast with authenticity. Thirdly this morning, how can we pray and fast from the heart? We must guard our hearts through humility. Tell your neighbor, be humble. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, be humble. Tell your neighbor, I'm humble. We're speaking in faith. Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 2 says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. 
says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We guard our hearts through humility with the Lord. And this verse is so powerful. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we, when we worship God with, with authenticity from the depths of our heart, when we're willing to let God in to the things that have hurt, the things that have disappointed, the things that have offended, the things that have caused bitterness and anger and resentment to separate us from Him, and we begin to cry out to the Lord, what happens in that moment is that heaven begins to answer and God begins to move. God is a God who is after your heart. And He wants you to be after His. I love, I love the story of David. Shepherd boy, anointed the next king of Israel after Saul had disobeyed the Lord and had stepped out of the blessings of what God had for him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Acts chapter 13, verse number 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. How do we guard our hearts? Through humility. By humbling ourselves before the Lord. With authenticity. Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Rending our hearts before God. And saying, Lord, I've come to seek you. God, I've come to draw near to you. Lord, I've come to encounter and experience what you have for me. David experienced the blessings of what God had for him in his life. Of being the king of Israel. Because of his heart that was after God. If you know anything about David, David was a worshiper. He worshiped the Lord. He spent time singing praises to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Before he even knew the plan that God had for his life. Even if you don't know what the plan is of what God has for you today. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Guard your hearts through humility through the Lord. Humble yourself before Him and experience what heaven has to offer. Because when we pray and when we fast, heaven begins to move. Heaven begins to move. God begins to unleash His word and His promises in our lives. This is what the Lord said in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 18. Austin Haley, you can come. It says, Then the Lord was jealous for His land and took pity on His people. And He replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into the parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown into the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The 
the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Heaven will answer and God will move when we pray and we fast from the heart of who we are. This morning, if you're here and you say, Connor, I've had hope deferred. My heart has been overwhelmed with the discouragement, with the disappointment. I firmly believe that this message, this word this morning was for somebody that's either in this room or that's joining us online today, that your hope has been deferred for a long time. And you've continued, you've continued following the Lord. You've continued, you've continued hearing the word of God. You've continued worshiping him with everything that you can but your heart has been overwhelmed with disappointment and your heart has been overwhelmed with despair. And I just want you to know this morning that this 21-day fast and this 21-day prayer is a season where God is going to break off that disappointment and that despair and that discouragement and that healing is going to begin to flow in your heart and that God's going to begin to move in your life in ways like He never has before. God wants to take your disappointment and He wants to take your pain and He wants to heal it this morning.